welcome once again to another episode of our Teach Me Tech podcast. I am your host, Tarek Falah, and we are here, episode number four. Um, if you tuned in last time, we talked about the exciting world of all kinds of different realities, uh, whether it's mixed reality or virtual reality or augmented reality. Uh, we talked about those different mediums that we have today and how they are being utilized both in the current um, kind of state of the world and how we think they might be used in the future. We gave you some examples. Um, I actually got a strap on the Microsoft HoloLens 2, which is really cool. Um, and we had an experience with a hamburger. So if you haven't seen that episode, go back and check out episode number three. We also have that episode posted in video form, uh, which is even more exciting than the audio. Uh, you can actually see me put on the HoloLens and then you get to see the world um, through uh, through my eyes in the HoloLens um, and get to see the kind of features there that we're talking about. So if you haven't taken a peek at that, uh, go hop on our YouTube channel, Creative Foam Corporation, and take a look there. And speaking of, I want to give a shout out. Our podcast is sponsored by Creative Foam. They are your world-class provider of engineered solutions. You can find them online at www.creativefoam.com. Certainly uh, across social media platforms like Facebook and LinkedIn using uh, the tag Creative Foam Corporation. So with this episode, we wanted to still talk about something that is exciting and relevant. Um, we've talked about in the past episodes things uh, about the history of technology. We talked about cybersecurity both in the past, um, in the current state, and now we're talking a little bit about the most innovative and new things that either you've heard of or seen or maybe you know a little bit about, but not quite enough to uh, really get your appetite full of knowledge. So in this episode, episode number four, we're going to be talking about cryptocurrency, blockchain, Bitcoin, all of these things that you've heard of, and maybe explain what each of them are um, and how some of them actually are related to one another um, and, and kind of give you an in-depth look at what is this, you know, cryptocurrency craze we've heard about in uh, the stock news, uh, whether it's Bitcoin or other forms of cryptocurrency being traded and being talked about. Um, people have been um, jumping all over these kinds of things and making tons of money or losing ton, tons of money in some cases, as as it were. Um, but there's a lot of interest around that. And it's not just a fad that uh, a company has started and maybe it's going to go out in a few years. This is built upon a technology that was started back in 1991. And as we'll learn, blockchain is not just something that can mechanize financial transactions, it's actually a technology that can be applied across a number of different settings, whether it's healthcare, whether it's manufacturing, um, whether it's just providing authentication or identification for an individual, for a system, or uh, for any other type of purposes. There are a lot of really great applications for blockchain. And certainly we've heard of cryptocurrencies and, and most prominently Bitcoin. Um, but there are many other ways that blockchain can be utilized. And even though it may not be in use today, companies all over the world are learning how to apply this for future uses. So we're going to talk a bit about that. 
explore what those uses are and give you a really good breakdown of what what this all means because sometimes it's confusing to hear about cryptocurrency or bitcoin and think everything is just interchangeable when in fact there's a couple different things going on here that are slightly nuanced and it's important to understand so that you can see how this may impact you whether it's today or tomorrow in a year or five years from now it's always good to be looking forward and, and see how this technology will impact our personal lives, our business lives, and most importantly, how can we make use of it? How can we not be caught off guard so that we're left scrambling for answers and trying to figure out how to utilize this really exciting technology? So that's kind of what we're gonna dive in today. Um, hopefully you stick around and get, uh, get a full taste of what we have to offer, and we come out the other side of this better off for having learned a little bit more about it. All right, so to start understanding this a little bit, uh, we can kind of put some, I guess, descriptions and definitions behind some of the words um, that we'll be talking about and, and the words that you've heard. So cryptocurrency first is something that you've, you've likely heard, especially given um, the news that's happening lately with all the different currencies that are being traded and the ups and the downs. Um, and companies like Tesla and Elon Musk, you know, making significant investments in those cryptocurrencies. So at its core, cryptocurrency is basically a form of payment that you can exchange um, electronically, obviously, for goods and services. So uh, it, it's no different than kind of using electronic credit cards um, or other types of electronic payments, ECH, things of that nature where I am basically sending some amount of money in this case it's a currency called you know it's a cryptocurrency whether it's you know bitcoin or something else and we'll talk about those but I, i'm giving some amount of value and getting a good or service in return um and, and there are companies that have created their own currencies with with tokens those can be traded um kind of like uh, a, a casino with with its casino chips um, so you can buy those chips or those currencies using cash and exchange them and then use those cryptocurrencies to buy other goods or services. Um, cryptocurrencies work essentially by using a technology called blockchain. And we'll talk about blockchain in a minute, but that's the most important takeaway is that those are two separate things. Blockchain is the actual technology that allows cryptocurrencies to function. So... Um, it's kind of the fundamental way that this allows cryptocurrencies to be very, very different from cash transactions or um, our standard kind of electronic forms of payment using banks. And we'll talk about how that's different, the pros and cons, but the cryptocurrencies are built upon blockchains. Um, there are over, you know, 6,800, just under 7,000 different kinds of cryptocurrencies traded publicly. Um, and we know the big ones, Bitcoin, for example, um, it's, it's probably the most popular one. You've probably seen in the news with Tesla being traded, um, but there are many others. We saw in the news a little, uh, a while back, a couple weeks ago with the Doge coin. And if you're not familiar with that, it's actually spelled D-O-G-E coin and that actually started off in 2013 as kind of a satirical joke on the whole cryptocurrency situation and of course with everything that's been happening with uh amc and 
uh, GameStop and all those crazy movements in the stock market. Dogecoin was involved in that and, and it got boosted up in value and, and came back down. It's gone up and down since then. But there are many different examples of cryptocurrencies that can be traded. And it's just a matter of, um, you know, finding something that is it makes sense for whatever kind of transactions you want to be involved in or what you choose to invest in. It's no different than investing in something like gold or silver or even just generally stock markets. Um, you can invest in it the same way and convert your cash or other type of uh, currency into some kind of cryptocurrency. Um, there are, you know, why is it so popular? I guess is the is the question that many people ask is, you know, why, why is it so different? What makes it such a, such an important part of our world today? And I think a lot of, a lot of the draw to cryptocurrencies, as we'll talk about soon, is that there, there are some really positive things behind cryptocurrencies that you won't necessarily find with traditional forms of payment. Um, for example, transparency. So, the idea behind blockchain, which again we'll talk about and explain, is that it's very transparent in nature. There is not one central bank that controls all of a particular cryptocurrency. So for Bitcoin, the most popular one that we may know about, there is not one master Bitcoin bank. So in that regard, it's it's very decentralized and it affords a very high level of transparency. And so for doing electronic transactions where transparency and the legitimacy of a transaction is critical, cryptocurrency becomes a very positive way to do business uh, digitally in this world. Um, other people, have, uh, a, a strong reason for supporting it is that, uh, again, it is decentralized and it removes the traditional payment methods that uh, we may be plagued with today that are either archaic or um, they don't communicate well if you have different kind of mediums involved. If you have a system over here that's talking one way for um, ACH payments and another one that takes credit cards using some kind of a bank, you know, you have to convert between those mediums. Where with the cryptocurrency, um, it's very decentralized. And as long as uh, you have the requisite funds and the currency you need, it's it's very simple to utilize. Um, and I think another big thing is just simply because they're going up in value. A lot of people are interested in this right now because of the potential applications we'll talk about with blockchain. There is a lot of speculation that these kinds of technologies will enable many exciting things in the future. And so I think that's sparked a lot of buzz, a lot of uh, people believing that if they get in now, there may be some benefit later on in the future and they'll have a, a huge return on their investment. So investing in something like Bitcoin right now um, can produce a very nice return if you hold off for maybe five or 10 years and um, the market conditions just continue to improve for cryptocurrencies and we see the kinds of things that we're expecting to see, it can be a very good return. Um, so that's that's kind of why it's become so relevant today. The next important thing to talk about, though, really is, as I mentioned, blockchain, which to me, even though cryptocurrency is exciting and there's a lot of buzz around it, the actual technology that enables cryptocurrency to exist, which is blockchain, is, is much, much more relevant for future use.
understanding blockchain, um, you know, as we start to define it and describe it, it, it might sound kind of complicated and, and it can be. Um, but if you understand the core way that it works and what it's built upon, it's actually very, very simple. So at its core, blockchain is essentially a type of a database. And if you're not really too familiar with a database, it is basically a way to collect information and store records um, electronically. So you may have a database for fin uh, you know, financial records that have things like a ledger. Um, it stores information about you know, debits and credits and who it was and for how much. And so you have a row of data in there with fields and, and each row has X number of fields in it. And a single row is essentially a transaction. So a database has um, a collection of those records and it gets built up and you have ways to um, you know, verify when it was put in with a timestamp and things like that. But it's centralized typically. Uh, for purposes of simplicity, databases typically are centralized, meaning you, know, you have a, a system, um, a server that has a database on it. Sometimes it can be split across multiple servers, but essentially it's one database um, with all of that data in it. And that's kind of what blockchain is. But imagine instead of it being just a collection of those records, the way that it functions, instead of having um, you know, a database with, with rows of data, just kind of one after another sequentially, you have blocks. And the data is collected in groups, blocks, and the blocks have limits on how much they can store with it within them and then once that storage limit is met a new block is created and attached to the previous block so you you're creating a chain essentially so you have a record of history to it in terms of time because it's chained you know there, there's a start to the chain and an end to the chain and you have data within those blocks and it, that that's it in a nutshell to understand what we're talking about with blockchain. Now, what's important about blockchain is is now that you understand kind of it's a it's literally like a, a digital representation of a physical chain. The next part of understanding with it is that the blockchain exists not in one place. Again, that's this is an important comparison um, or an attribute to compare between traditional transactions with like a bank and something involving a cryptocurrency. When I create a transaction, the transaction is not sent to a single server. It's sent to a network and communicated to multiple uh, computers within that network. So let's say I have a ledger that I'm working on and it's cryptocurrency and I'm applying um, you know, I'm sending some amount of cryptocurrency to an individual. That transaction gets sent to the network. And let's, for simplicity purposes, imagine three computers are involved in this transaction. Those three computers actually go through solving an equation to validate the transaction. So they go through and do an algorithm and solve an equation to actually say, yes, this is real. Um, once they confirm that, they put that data into the blockchain. So they store it in a block and it's chained together to the previous block and the transaction is then marked as complete. The critical thing with this, again, 
that blockchain is not just stored on one computer. There are multiple computers that have that there. So if someone were to try to delegitimize um, cryptocurrency, say somebody was going to hack Bitcoin. If I were to hack um, you know, one of those servers involved in it and go in and try to change one of the previous uh, blocks. So say I want to go in and alter the transaction where someone sent me 500 Bitcoin and I want to make it 5,000 Bitcoin. If I go in and try to hack a single block and edit that block and say, here it is, it's actually going to be 5,000 Bitcoin and I'm able to do that first, there's a huge hurdle of even being able to do that. Um, it's, it's not just as simple as logging onto a computer and changing it. There's encryption, there's all kinds of things going on with this. But beyond that, if you were able to, um, the other computers that have, or the other servers rather, that have copies of that block and that chain will then refute my blockchain and basically delegitimize it and say, no, this has been altered, it's no longer good. So there's no way that I can go into a single block of a chain and say, I want to modify this, or I want to remove it, or whatever I may want to do. Um, it's simply impossible doing it that way. The other uh, servers involved in those in, in that cur currency will then say the the server that's had its blockchain altered is no longer valid anymore and it will be removed. And um, it would involve restructuring with a new uh, server and new you know copying that chain again and all of that. So. Truly, to, to have some kind of fraud or to um, change these records, it requires an enormous amount of effort. If you were to try to pursue something like that, you would need to have uh, greater than 51%, or at least, I suppose, 51% um, ownership of a block, or of a blockchain, rather. In that case, if I have 51% of the copies... Um, you know, I own the majority and then I basically can control what is considered to be accurate because I then dictate to the others, this change that is in this block is actually correct and you need to modify it. Um, that simply is just super unlikely to happen. Um, you would have to own 51% of a cryptocurrency, first of all, which is in itself very, very difficult. Um, and you would have to have a lot of resources. You would need to go back through to all of those blocks and be able to modify that, change all the timestamp across hundreds and thousands and hundreds of, excuse me, hundreds of hundreds of thousands, uh, millions, I suppose, of records to go in there and actually change that. So it would be expensive. It would be difficult from a computing perspective. But in addition, it would, it would not be something that would just simply go unnoticed. Um, these networks are very, very highly monitored. Um, any kind of anomalies or alterations done to a blockchain is flagged and monitored and would give off all kinds of notifications. So in the event of someone trying to do that, if they somehow got that much uh, power and were able to manipulate, it would, it would give off some huge red flags right away. So um, at its core, that's essentially how blockchain works. And, and it's important to understand, blockchain was actually created um, way back in 1991 by two gentlemen named Stuart Haber and Scott Stornetta. 
So they were researchers that wanted to create a system uh, where document timestamps couldn't be altered. And that was kind of the fundamental creation of what blockchain was. It didn't even kick off until about 2009. So, you know, almost two decades later where we came through and saw the implementation of blockchain in a cryptocurrency with Bitcoin really being the first one. Um, there's a person that kind of goes under a pseudonym. We don't know really who this person is that uh, essentially created, launched Bitcoin, Satoshi Nakamoto. Um basically saying this is going to be a new electronic cash system, fully peer-to-peer -peer, with no single trusted third party, meaning that the trust is sort of built into the application itself. There is not a central bank or a central authority that you have to place your trust in. The integrity of the system is guaranteed um, just through how the technology itself works. So it's an independent of a central authority making rules and regulations to drive the transactions and to place trust in them, which which really makes it very, very different than traditional um, currencies and how we do electronic transactions today. So while blockchain uh, is very effective and has been excellent at being implemented for use in currencies, specifically for cryptocurrencies, um, that is definitely not the only application for blockchain. There are many, many other applications that are being either used today or researched today and will be used in the future that can go above and beyond in allowing us to do things more effective, more efficiently, more securely, more safely, whatever it may be. There are still many applications to be explored. Uh, one recent one that's come around is from IBM called Food Trust. And basically it, it is something that uses blockchain to track the life cycle of produce and other kind of foods throughout their journey. As we know, fo you know, food goes through hundreds potentially of different places and storage points and handling points before it gets to its final destination in someone's home. And, you know, there are outbreaks of things like E. coli and salmonella um, or hazardous materials that are accidentally introduced into foods that results in people getting ill um, and you know needing to have some way to find out where that came from. We saw not long ago where we had um, outbreaks with E. coli for things like romaine lettuce or other products, and it became very difficult to say specifically, you know, where did this food item come from, and and at what point in time? It wasn't always simply um, possible to, to identify that you could get you know an approximate geographic location but you couldn't say specifically it was this one batch or it was you know all batches on this one day they would have to you know describe a whole geographic location or in some cases just say we simply don't know where it is far too difficult to track and trace and so you know, don't eat this product, period, for some amount of time. Well, what this blockchain technology can do is it gives the ability to track a food product's route from its origin through every single stop that it makes all the way to its point of delivery. So if a food is found to be contaminated, then you can go back and trace all the way through each one of those stops that it had before it got to its final destination. Um, and those companies can also see everything that it came in contact with. So if I needed to be able to identify um, 
what was introduced in the process that may uh, may be causing illnesses for people, I can find that out much, much sooner than traditional methods, which ultimately is going to save many, many lives potentially. If I'm able to identify that a hazardous chemical was introduced at a site accidentally, um, and I can identify that in a matter of hours within a day versus potentially weeks, the amount of people's lives that I can save, I mean, there's just simply no price you can put on having a technology like that. So another really interesting and very relevant way of implementing blockchain technology is something that's been coined a smart contract. And a smart contract is essentially computer code that can be put into the blockchain to facilitate, uh, verify, or negotiate a contract agreement. So whether it's an agreement between a landlord and a tenant, a organization that's seeking to hire and a potential candidate, a bank that has a loan and someone that is applying for a loan. In all of these types of situations, you can enable a smart contract that is essentially an independent third party, but not really a singular third party, again, because we have a, a collection of computers and servers across this blockchain network. So even though we say it's a third party, it's 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 the biggest third party in the world, really. Um, so you have the ability to bring transparency and legitimacy to these types of situations. So for example, if you had that first situation I mentioned between a tenant and um, a landlord seeking to have a unit leased out, the landlord would agree to give the tenant a door code to the apartment as soon as the tenant can pay the security deposit. So both the tenant and landlord will, will send um, their portions of that deal to the smart contract. So the landlord sending the code, the tenant sending the funds in terms of a cryptocurrency, both of those items get sent and they get, they get held onto until both conditions are met satisfactorily by a date. So if the landlord doesn't supply the door code by the lease date, then the smart contract would refund the security deposit. Or if the person trying to lease didn't supply the, uh, the funds by the date, then the landlord would have the code you know, not, not um, exposed to anyone, it would simply vanish. Um, so it removes having you know, anyone else brought into this equation or having basically putting blind faith or trust in either side of the equation. You have this other totally unbiased, independent mechanism to validate and secure a transaction. So like all things, um, there are certainly advantages and disadvantages to blockchain. Um, so for advantages, the, one of the biggest, most important advantages is simply the accuracy of the blockchain itself. The transactions involved in blockchain, uh, they are approved by the network of thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of computers. So there's no human involvement. There's no potential for error. There is no ability for a human to either accidentally do something or intentionally do something wrong to the blockchain. Um, 
There is no verification process from a human to say, yes, this is good or no, it's bad. It's simply when conditions are met, a transaction is executed. Um, even if somehow an error did, did exist for our particular blockchain, that error would only be made to one copy of the blockchain. And for that to spread to the other blockchains, um, it would need to be made by at least 51%, again, of those network's computers. So nearly impossible at this point. Um, so if you did have some sort of inconsistency in the blockchain, it would not replicate to the other chains and it would be either, you know, that chain that had the error would be removed and replaced with another or someone would be notified and, and would have to find out what went wrong. It, it's very unlikely to even happen because again, the lack of human involvement in a blockchain is, is just, it, it's so ubiquitous in terms of how this technology works. Another big advantage of blockchain is the cost reduction. So when you have different kinds of transactions, you have a notary, um, you have all kinds of different accounting personnel that are involved, whether it's internal or external, um, you have all kinds of fees, therefore, that are introduced, whether it's overhead for labor, whether it is simply a fee that a financial institution charges you know, 3% or 2% for various types of transactions, um, or when it's certain dollar amounts, you get charged with a certain fee, those simply don't exist. Um, you know, Bitcoin, for example, it does not have a central authority to say how much a transaction will cost. You simply send the amount of Bitcoin or whatever cryptocurrency it is you want, and the transaction takes place and it's done. So there's a, a huge cost reduction in terms of what it takes to complete a Bitcoin transaction. Uh, another big part we've talked about already is decentralization. So there's not a central bank. Um, blockchain is copied and spread across networks of computers that are independently operated. There is not a central authority that has ownership of those. Um, so by spreading that information across a network rather than in one place, blockchain becomes more difficult to tamper with. And if a copy of the blockchain were to fall into the hands of a hacker, only, again, a single copy of the information rather than the entire network would be compromised. So we have highly secure, highly efficient, and very decentralized. Um, again, the, the private nature of transactions, um, anyone can create a transaction as long as they have an internet connection. Um, so there is no third party that you have to involve. You don't have to place your trust in a bank or another financial institution to try to create a transaction. You simply need to have access to the internet. Um, so it becomes very private and very secure. There is a huge amount of transparency that goes in with blockchain. Um, anyone can view the code that is used to create blockchain um, for whatever cryptocurrency you're looking at. So you can independently review and audit a cryptocurrency and find out because it is built on open source, meaning not a single entity owns that code. It is uh, free to distribute and improve over the years. Um, so anyone can create or suggest changes to the system. And if a majority of people agree, then those changes can get implemented. So it is extremely transparent in how it's built. Um, so those are some of the advantages. Certainly, those are, uh, you know, some of them are very obvious. Some of them are just inherent to how a blockchain works. 
And of course, there are still disadvantages. So Bitcoin is not, or I, I should say blockchain is not cheap. Um, yes, you can save money on transaction fees. There are, there's less overhead involved. However, the proof of work that Bitcoin uses to validate a transaction. So all of those computers that are operating, as we talked about before, to validate a transaction, that doesn't just happen independently. There, there is a lot of work going there. Um, so in the real world, that computational power that's taking place from you know the millions of computers on the Bitcoin network, that that power operating actually comes close to what Denmark consumes annually in terms of raw operating machine power. So if electricity costs about, you know, three to five cents per kilowatt hour, the actual mining of Bitcoin costs, um, you know, just on its own in terms of the electricity, about 5,000 to 7,000 per coin. So there's, there's a huge amount of, you know, electrical and computational costs. Again, Servers aren't free, so those have to be invested with, and, and you must actually procure those and build those and make sure that they are powerful enough to do the mining. Um, and the electricity bills are something as well to be considered. So it, it's not free. There, there is cost to setting up Bitcoin. Um, another issue is simply the speed inefficiency that's faced sometimes with blockchain. So, you know, the proof of work system, again, that takes place it takes roughly 10 minutes to add a new block to the blockchain. So at that rate, it's estimated that blockchain can maybe only manage about seven uh, transactions per second. Other cryptocurrencies may have you know, different speeds, uh, but for Bitcoin, it's roughly, um, you know, that, that's essentially the rate that you have. So there is some amount of time delay built into these cryptocurrencies, meaning these transactions don't happen instantaneously. There is amount of time that goes into basically proving that that transaction is legitimate in that proof of work that's going on behind the scenes. So, you know, that is something that can be developed as things go on, but um, there's simply no way to get around that at this point in time. Another problem with uh, cryptocurrencies and, and blockchain in general really is that um, confidentiality while it's a really great thing um, and, it, and it allows people to do their transactions securely and safely, it also unfortunately creates a scenario or a set of scenarios where people can do illegal trading, um, you know, buying things on what we've come to understand as the dark web, whether it is, you know, illegal drugs or other things, uh, weapons, things of that nature. Those kinds of transactions are difficult to trace when the transactions inherently are anonymous. So, you know, Bitcoin does not keep a record of what you're buying and what you're selling. There are simply transactions on a ledger that have been approved because they were deemed to be legitimate. So there is no master set of data saying a user that lives in this city, in this state, bought this illegal thing on this day. Um, that just simply does not exist. So unfortunately, it does kind of create that system where you've got, it, it's a trade-off. It's sort of a double-edged sword where there's some great benefits to having that, but it also creates scenarios where we don't have answers for 
how to make sure that we have um, you know, a, a system that is safe and can be used uh, effectively, whether it's public or personal or for uh, companies to use, it, it needs to be safe in nature. I hope that's given you uh, a really good understanding of what's blockchain, what is cryptocurrency, what's this stuff you're hearing about with Bitcoin and with the Dogecoin and these other currencies that you may hear being traded, especially with everything that's been going on with uh, Wall Street and all of those ups and downs you're hearing about and Tesla. I hope that kind of gives you a little bit of an understanding of what's going on and more importantly, what's to come. While we're hearing about all of the crazy stuff that's happening with these cryptocurrencies, that's really only a small piece of uh, the puzzle that we have to figure out. And in the next few years, I think we're going to be seeing some very, very exciting changes in how we live and how we can do business and how we can just do our personal lives even with the advent of blockchain. We talked about some of those ways that blockchain is being implemented. Um, and there are so many advantages to being able to utilize something like that. So it'll be exciting to see in the months and the years to come what other ways are going to be explored for blockchain and what's to come next. Um, so I want to thank you for joining us on this episode. It's been really exciting and fun to talk about all this really cool stuff. Um, some of it we're seeing and some of it is just starting to blossom and will bloom in the next few years here and it's it's really cool to be a part of what you're seeing kind of happening right before your eyes so with that we want to give again a shout out to our sponsor creative foam you can find them online at www.creativefoam.com on social media platforms using the handle creative foam corporation so as always we want to leave you on this episode with a quote about technology and this is actually one of my favorite quotes. I remember when I was younger seeing this and and just instantly getting the thought of seeing this happen and take place because I know I've been there uh, feeling like this before and, and probably many of you have too. But the quote is from Steve Wozniak uh, from Apple fame and renown. And the quote is, never trust a computer you can't throw out the window. So make sure you can fit that computer out the window before you purchase it. Until next time, take care. Yeah.